Hi everyone, welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the show described as the squishy heart of the center of enterprise IT. For once, all four of us are actually present, which is amazing. Uh, though to achieve this feat of scheduling, we've had to record at a slightly different time, so it's quite late for me, it's relatively late for the others. Uh, some of us may be holding beers. Yeah, we'll see how it rolls. But um, no, it's good to see you all, and let's talk about Amazon outages once again. Uh, so US East One, as you may or may not have noticed, uh, just lost it <laughs> once more, and causing the whole of the internet to fall over in sympathetic response, uh, which was kind of funny. Wasn't that supposed to be the point of uh, the cloud that uh, you wouldn't have to care? But it turns out it is just someone else's computer. It's just, in this case, the someone else's Jeff Bezos. <laughs> well, to be fair, not not anymore, right? Not as, he's, he's kind of out, so we can hang that on someone else. Okay, okay. Adam Solipsky, welcome aboard. It's your problem. Hot potato, <laughs> yeah. hold it. <laughs> It's a power, it's a power, you know, like it's, it's like power. You have power outages, deal with it. I I think what people get frustrated about is the services they consume go down. And so many of those services all go down at the same time. You know, when you have like, oh, Netflix is down, Disney Plus is down, Tinder's down, you know, people start to react, but it's just the amount of services. What do you do with your time at that point, Mike? I, I know, I know. Yeah. It's like, man, am I supposed to be working? Like, I don't oh, know. Yeah. So. I was trying to do my expenses from reInvent, and it turns out <laughs> the system we use for expenses relies on US East One at some point, and it was unavailable. <laughs> As if my expenses from reInvent weren't painful enough. But, I feel like Signal is somewhere backed by that, because I've been having some real interesting connectivity issues with Signal in the last 24 hours. Yeah, well, last 24 hours, that's not US East One. That should be over. Hmm. Great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the thing with this actually that's really interesting is that, like how do you as a consumer, you know, you're not like sitting there staring at a knock of Amazon status, right? Like there's no like AWS up or down feeling. Like, the power outages, we have like the text messages and the local alerting and the you know, TV stations to tell you school is closed for the snow and all of these interesting things and like this is just it goes and then a half your life just fizzles into a spinning icon and you're like hmm, wonder what's going on is it and me? that's how you know you don't need any fancy technical monitoring you just uh, look at the level of outrage on twitter about disconnected stuff coffee machines being down lifts not operating correctly although someone did point out i'll try to find the actual tweet uh that you know your coffee maker not being able to make you coffee is not an amazon problem the problem is in the design of that coffee maker which is a very fair point and i approve of it <laughs> Under what circumstances would a coffee maker be dependent on the cloud? Exactly, that is the big question. <laughs> I'm very confused. So, what exactly was the cause of this outage? Uh, I don't think we know yet. Uh, something to do with a network device, uh, but they haven't. I'm going to call it. bullshit on that. I'm going <laughs> to call bullshit on that. No, no, I, I'm I mean, going to call it. No, no, no. Let me. Tell, how do you know somebody? How do you know they weren't hacked? Do we know that? Could be, but I mean, last time it was someone fat fingers a config change. I you I know better, Dominic. You BS, 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 BS. You know that they have so much stuff in place. You worked at an AI ops company. You know better. BS. Do we know? Why <laughs> don't we know? Why don't we know what happened? I mean, is... to cast the first stone. <laughs> <laughs> 
And for, the, for those of you that's uh, an audio medium, I'm just stepping back and putting my hands behind my back. <laughs> Hold on. Dominic, Dominic got back from Vegas, so he drank the coffee over there, and I'm sure AWS put in some stuff, and he's all excited. He's got the co- The AWS coffee is still in his blood. All right, but listen, do we know? Do we know if they oh, weren't somebody did a yet, denial of service? But, but hold on. This is important because they would never want like something like that to get out, would they? I mean, everybody talks about security. I would much rather be say, hey, we went down because of a glitch or somebody fat-fingered somebody instead of saying, yeah, we were compromised. I just – I wonder. I mean, who knows? I, I – I, I, you know, it's got to be like people must be like when something like that happens at the data center. I don't see people running around like chicken with their head cut off, you know, because I, I don't think these problems are so easy to to identify and to understand what's actually in wrong. the heat of the moment. Yeah, and in fact, this reminds me of a story I heard uh, of an instant response team that would stand up two war rooms when there was uh, an instant to respond to. There was a real one where people were doing the work and were frantically telephoning and you know, uh, lots of green screens and whatnot. And then there was the one with the fancy dashboards and pew-pew displays that they would put all the execs in to keep them out of trouble. <laughs> but yet, but yet uh, they promised their customers quick you know, resolution, right? Meantime to resolution, meantime to innocence, and yet they can't. Well, oh, again, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. A lot of companies do the two war room thing, and the reason there's the two war room things is because people like me want to get into the war rooms, and I clearly shouldn't be in the war room. And then there's the real war room where the real people and the real techies are working on issues, and people like me should not be in those rooms. That's why there's two rooms. I don't think it's like the one for for customers and the one for us. Yeah, your, your pointy hair is showing, Mike. <laughs> Why are you giving them a free pass? I feel like I feel like you guys were giving them a free pass. We shouldn't give them a free pass. They're they're going after everyone else's business. When, I, I, I don't saying, think it's a, just... I, I don't think it's a big deal. Like who cares? Like if it's out for a day, okay. But it's I mean, like there's it's it going to happen. Two hours total. Who the who who designs it? Where who you know whatever you've designed, you've designed it relying on one zone. That's your fault, and there and potentially go. it's a. And potentially it's a it's a component, whatever, but it's it's the company's fault. Like go after Netflix, go after Disney, go after Tinder, they build shit products. That's the way I would take it. Oh wow, somebody's Disney Plus subscription is being cut off and I can hear a sound. <laughs> <in the house. laughs> you had to explain it's... it to the small users in your house. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Sorry, not a Disney podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. we're definitely not rated G today. We're rated uh PG thirteen. But but that was it. It's a whole bunch of people were going, oh, you should have gone multi-cloud. You shouldn't have been relying on Amazon, have all your eggs in one basket, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, but Amazon also gives you a whole bunch of tools to be multi-region, multi-AZ, uh, even remaining within AWS that would have made you resilient to an outage of just US East One. And sure, Amazon could do better. There's a whole bunch of Amazon stuff, the Amazon console itself, uh, that is reliant on US East One. And I'm sure they're learning from from that and going for the future. But the fact that your service is going to go down if one region of AWS goes down, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> Wait, the, but the... hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because didn't we actually used to hold Netflix up as the bastion of glory with respect to architecting a cloud-based environment? And they were like like a halo over their head. And we used to talk about how normal mortal humans couldn't begin to replicate the magic that they had wrought within the cloud. And so for them to go down and for us to disparage them, you know, I don't know what the Tinder dev team is 
smoking. My feeling is probably a lot. But like the Netflix people we know, they were the case study. How could this be? And yeah, that oh, I want to hear Zach's theory that no, actually. No. <laughs> I, I am with I am with Lila. I know I'm with Lilac. No, Mike, hold on. You obviously have some AWS coffee too going on. <laughs> no. I'm with Lilac on this. No, it doesn't matter, guys. I mean, she's absolutely right. I mean, we can't. You know, I mean, you know, praise them when they should be praised, and when they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be. I mean, AWS. Look, all AWS is is just compute instance in the cloud. I'm so tired of them. All oh, we saw business challenges. Bullshit, right? Whenever they make the news, it's when one of their, their servers, you can't get to these servers. They're, they're basically a big, you know, hey, put up some compute. Their compute is a service. I mean, they're not solving business problems. Let's get over that crap, right? So this is, I mean, is this proof of that? Dominic, your badge is going to need to be in the mail. To the- yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think to some extent, yeah, they're just compute. I mean, to some extent, right? Software could work, not work. I think the Netflix thing is, but has Netflix said anything? I mean, everybody just points to AWS, but has Netflix actually said anything? I'd love to be in the Netflix and AWS discussions about this. That would be quite interesting. I think I'd like to be a fly on the wall. I just want to specify the role I would like is fly on the wall, not active. No, not participant, not sitting at the table. Absolutely not. You're too close to the firing line. But to Lilac's credit, that's what she's saying. I mean, this just falls on Netflix. She's right. This falls on Netflix to some degree. I, she's absolutely right. And it's how you design this and everything. And I'm not, but my point is, let's not just completely say there's no blame on AWS. All I'm saying is they have all a, a army of people that are supposed to help their customers out, right? With their designs and everything. I'm just saying, like, at some point, it's hardware. There's hardware somewhere. Something fails. Who Something's knows? going to break. I will say, you know, in the in the days when we all ran our own data centers, two hours would have been amazing. If we had an outage only lasted two hours, so okay, pat yourself on the back. That hardly counts. But what went down? I mean, were we they don't compromised? Know they haven't we published know? it. Well, 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 no. They, they are you really ever gonna... They always publish pretty detailed postmortems. So, they and do? I think what's really interesting is that Netflix going down or Disney Plus going down actually probably doesn't impact their revenue right they nobody is cutting off their disney subscription except mike who has feelings um no that... i won't i won't cut it off i i love my disney subscription i'm not I'm actually not mike, it off. mike hold on what mike what street do you live on uh the street might be called disney yes let's, yes let's okay so there. we have some deep feelings um, <laughs> I, I would just say like these are not actually a, this is not a revenue impacting outage right because no. these subscription services are not going to be terminated due to a blip in the in the east it's which is different entirely from somebody's shopping cart application going down, which is a revenue impacting outage. And I'm really interested to see, because I think the reasons and the level of disclosure that companies are going to put, not necessarily AWS, but but if I'm Netflix, uh, this does not actually necessarily impact my quarterly revenue. Whereas if I'm like, I'm saying Walmart, I know they're not running on AWS, but if I'm Walmart and my shopping cart is broken for three and a half hours during the Christmas season, that might actually make a, 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 a little bit of noise in, in the quarterly report, right? And so I think it's interesting how this gets disclosed and, and triaged based on that. Wait, do Someone you guys think that- if it's US West, do you measure the outage with Oregon Trail? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Zach, do you believe that it was like there was a compromise or security issue and they had to take everything down? No, I'm uh, well, no. I, well, I don't know what to believe. 
I believe there's way more to this story. I believe with the tools they have in place, they already know what the issue is. And I believe that it's possible that something like that, it's a matter of time before it happens, but it's much worse to them if that gets out than something else gets out. Like, okay, we, you know, it was an instance or whatever. I, I just have a hard time buying the initial, you know, an instance went down or this or that. I mean, they're in these class five data centers. I mean, some of that is very fundamental. It's been around a while. So yeah, to Mike, I don't know, but my gut tells me there's a lot more to this. And, um, you know, but, you know, then again, I think, well, why, if somebody did compromise it, they would probably want credit. So maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I think, I think we need to think like that. Right. I mean, we absolutely should think like that. I mean, your data is important. You and I have talked, how often have we spoken about data, 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 what's worse for them, right? Being compromised, everybody's keeping their data or just having an instance go down. We need to follow up. Right? So who has the uh, the Netflix contacts that are going to find out what really happened? Oh, golly. That's what I want to know. I mean, know. in fairness, Zach, if it's an actual breach, they're legally required to say something, right? That's a that's a different bar. Hold on. Legally, legally, publicly legally or legally reported to federal agencies? Hospitals legally have to do things, and they do. They report it to federal agencies. No, right? I, I, why, why would... Why, why would... I don't know. I'm asking because I don't no, know. No, no. Legally, like if they, if Amazon is, if AWS is breached and thus Netflix is breached and thus your credit card is, is exposed, then Netflix is going to have to send you a note about that. You directly. Right? Yeah, but, but they would, they, they would have to be able to prove that that happened. And if that yeah. doesn't happen and data, yeah, I mean, right. no, and there's no a it, it, it's not necessary. Exactly. There's a class this is of not becoming a conspiracy theory podcast. Yeah. <laughs> To disclose, I mean, it's only if like your personal information is is like affected, or if it's material to to the stock price. And okay, a two hour outage, I, I don't think it's material to Amazon stock price. And it's not like nobody knows that they went down. Okay, why did they go down? Maybe, maybe if my if Amazon's not secure, I I want to sell some stock, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. So yeah, and the disclosure requirements are predicated on disclosure of personally identifiable information. And potentially there's a class of breach where you can take the system down, but you haven't accessed anything, and therefore the system's not obligated. Now we're going deep in the rabbit hole, aren't we? Follow the white rabbits, people. Red pill. <laughs> <laughs> red pill, red pill. No, but seriously, the, the, the point I wanted to make is a whole lot of people were jumping up and down saying, oh, you know, the... People did it wrong. Multi-cloud would have been the answer. And, you know, I have been uh, an advocate of multi-clouds and I will be again in the future. But I don't think that's the get-out-of-jail-free card here. There's a whole bunch of, of tools that Amazon themselves gives you just within the AWS world. They can be multi-region, multi-AZ, and be resilient to an outage, even of an entire region, even of US East 1 before you have the need to go multi-cloud. Now, that's distinct from the fact that if you're going SaaS, you should ask your SaaS provider about their multi-cloud plans because there's a, there's a big difference between what you yourself can do as a person responsible for a bunch of computers and the sort of stuff that you should expect one of your suppliers to do. It's like the difference between running a couple of racks under the stairs and expecting someone to have a proper tier three data center with uh, multiple lines to the internet, multiple power lines, big generators, uh, all of that stuff. It's just that the interface of abstraction has moved up several layers, and some people apparently have not quite caught up with that, either on the customer architecture side or on the armchair commentator side. 
and exactly which is which is open for debate. Well, how important is it right now to have a good architect, huh? Well, those guys are... In Very. demand. Yeah. So there used to be this distinction between the administrator and the operator. The operator being defined as the person with the hands on the keyboard, or the tape gopher, less kindly, and the architect as the person with chalk dust uh, on the cuffs of their jacket, because there's a person who wore a jacket, um, because there were sexist assumptions in place. Yes, yes. This is why I come to this party. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. To remind us of this with one raised eyebrow. Uh, no, but the <laughs> the point being, we've kind of lost that distinction. And then every few years, we have to be reminded of it, that there's a distinction between being the person who can make the technology sit up and beg and the person who knows why you want the technology to do whatever it is. And those two people are not operating on the same level of abstraction of the stack. And given that, we continue to abstract more and more bits away. If you're operating on the hands-on keyboard, hands-on infrastructure level, then you're at a different level of the stack than the person who understands the abstractions. And you might be a person who used to be that person who touched things directly and gives you that understanding so that you can understand, you can break the abstraction when that's useful. But right now that's not what's useful. And if you're focused on the details of which AWS service runs in US East One, then you've already lost. Uh, you have to be the person who's thinking three steps ahead of that. Uh, where does my service run? What does my service care about? That's the, the thing that you need to be thinking. Think about a lot of these businesses, even mostly probably smaller businesses. And Mike, this will resonate with you that are, um, you know, they're running their applications. They don't really have an IT department or IT hasn't helped them get them up and running. Exactly. Would you be questioning yourself right now? Like, do I, do I have this stuff? Really? Is it set up right? Am I going to be able to have... I spoke to someone like that at, at reInvent in Vegas. And they're like, uh, you know, th this all seemed too complex. So I, ch I checked out. I didn't have an IT staff. I, I checked out of, of running this stuff. I handed it all over to Amazon. And now I realize that I, there's a famous Neil Stevenson quote, the organization has lost control of its sphincters. It's kind of graphically descriptive. Oh, I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you a Phil, hold on, I'm going to give you a Phil Collins quote in too deep. Are you in, what point? At what point are you in too deep, right? I think there's actually more companies that would that they won't admit it, but it's absolutely true that they like they've handed over too much to let's say a vendor, a partner, whoever, and reeling it back in is a bit scary for them because they don't know how to. And I think there's a lot of companies who are on that cusp, right? Because it's not like look, if you have like server admins, they're, they're not going to move you to the cloud. So you're going to force a vendor to come That's in competition and to, to that. And then, yeah. Yeah. And, and then you, and then you're going to, you're going to, you lose at some point the, the sheets of music that you need and, and it's, it's gone. Right. Uh, yep. And I think also the other thing that we, maybe we haven't touched on that maybe we need to, cause I, I had this interesting conversation with somebody today is like, you know, the, the citizen development, the Democrat, democratization of data and, and development and all this that's happened is like some of these applications are moving mainstream in some of these organizations. And, and now people are starting to get scared about like, holy cow, this now runs our business or without this, it's, it's going to hurt. And, and we it's have not no inside. You have no backup. Right? We have no way yeah. to set a break point. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but, and, and, 
I think what organizations are struggling with is at what point do you put the rails around it to wheel it back in and say, okay, this now belongs to like, we need a serious IT department to look at this. And when you don't, yeah. right. I, I, th th this is a bit, this is a bit of a, of a, of a problem, but yeah, I, I think all companies are trying to figure this out now, but I mean, do you really want to stop this, all the citizen development happening? I don't think you want to because it's, Absolutely it's, it's not. progressing it's your business further, value. right? Yeah. yeah, but that nicely tees up the other news item I had for this week, which is the shutdown of Quill. Uh, so Twitter acquired this company Quill, which I will admit was absolutely not on my radar. Uh, but uh, they are an enterprise messaging, were an enterprise messaging company, a would-be Slack rival. And Twitter acquired them and shut them down with a whole four days warning, which is not great. All other startups should be completely pissed off at Quill. They should be totally pissed off on how this all went down. Yeah. Because it's the company that buys into Quill. And then next thing you know, you have four days that, hey, the service that now your company uses is being shut off. I mean, how do you survive? And and this is the fear why big enterprises... Imagine someone took off for startups. a long weekend. They come back on Monday and everything's gone. They didn't even have the chance to back up. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, but that's not how you shut down a service, right? Like, no. <laughs> as somebody who is the architect of multiple shutdowns in my life, this is one of my very few core skill sets is is killing products. Graceful shutdowns. Um, and in that's, doing so... That's a good thing, Lilac. No, not I know. Thing. It's not a good thing, but I'm going to tell you something. There's, there are times Product when it euthanasia. is... euthanasia. I will endorse you on yes. LinkedIn for this. <laughs> that's right. No, uh, but there are times when it is possibly the kinder thing for all concerned. Yeah. Um, however, right, like like with all euthanasia, there's a way to do it. Um, yeah, the Swiss and that have way a machine for that now, apparently. There... I'll put that note in the show notes as well. <laughs> I don't know where that just went either. Okay, I don't that's good. Understand what just happened. <laughs> um, so I would just say, like, you know, I, I, I guess I, I can understand a motivation behind an aqua hire for sure, um, and that's probably what happened here. I can understand a, a motivation behind a synergy that says shut down the service eventually here because it's expensive to run and it's not part of our go forward revenue plan. But I, do, what I don't understand is four days. Right. When you could have easily run this thing for another 30 days. Right. Said back up your data, get it out or even, frankly, sell the customer list to Slack and tell them to pick it up. Right. Like there's a, a million ways to unwind this that is a little bit more graceful to the end users while still achieving your end goals. It's a very strange move. Unless, 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 unless Zach would be right on this one and there's actually a breach going on in their service. No. In which shut that shit down. They had to shut no, down Q. But, but I think this is, this is totally right. Oh, like, Q. Like this is, Q was using Quill. That's the explanation. <laughs> this is... This is the worry that companies have working with startups, like that that it could all disappear because of an acquisition, because of something. I mean, and, and this is case in point, right? I mean, I would refer to this any if any startup I wouldn't be negotiating with, I'd refer to this case. How do I know this won't happen to you? Yeah, and a bunch of now, people my, have been now, saying, "No, I, I will never invest in a, I will never commit to a startup that's less than Series B." And someone else was responding, "Well, that's how you ensure that no startups ever get to Series B." <laughs> What? I'm going to be a late adopter going forward. I mean, do you think they're trying to create a WhatsApp type, you know, function or some other type of functionality? I mean, is it a Twitter? A Twitter, you mean? Yeah, the assumption is that Quill will be folded into Twitter's messaging product somehow. 
which to be honest, I mean, Twitter's messaging product is fine. I mean, some, it's okay. It's, no, I, I, I think Twitter needed probably the, the skill set now that they have somebody different. I, so they're just, they want the people. I, I think Twitter is on, on the clock, right? I, I think if it doesn't, I mean, if they don't really improve now and, and drive up their their price, I think they're getting acquired, right? I, I mean, I mean, they they paid a song and a dance for what was it? What was their valuation? Sixteen million. We don't know what they paid, but the valuation from out sixteen of million, was, I think. Yeah, it's no, sixteen, a, wasn't it? Sixteen, I think. I think so. Yeah, that's, what, is, that's the funding they had. So let's say they paid twenty-five. Sixteen is nothing for an aquifer. Yeah. An aquifer, no, yeah, right? true. You get exactly. You get the exactly. People, Lilac. You go for it. So maybe that's it. I mean, maybe it's the people. I like spot on. I mean, even if they paid. 50 is a drop in the bucket of Twitter. I mean, better that than uh, some of the other ideas I've heard around Twitter that they're going to start uh, turning it into a subscription product. And the whole point of Twitter is it being a massive broadcast medium. A few people will certainly pay for their voice to be heard, but a lot of people will ask the question of how many people will my voice be heard by and then opt not to pay. <laughs> but this guy, this guy that they made CEO, he he's been working on a, a decentralized Twitter, working on the blockchain, right? That that's oh, so God. then you you wouldn't so then you wouldn't be able to like deplatform anybody. Like, how do they make money on that? Beer how do they make money enough, on that? I need a stronger drink. <laughs> you know, you could continue to ignore this stuff, but it's coming. It's coming for everybody. So there you go. I shall resist it. You know, so I, I don't know where Twitter I, I don't know where Twitter is 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 headed here, but yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jack tries to acquire them out of out of Square because he he sees it as value, and then no one can tell him anything about what he's doing. So yeah, let's see. Oh wow, I love this conspiracy theory. Uh, sorry, Zach, your, your conspiracy <laughs> theories are also fine. But this, this, <laughs> <laughs> this and one, all this the one birds are robots. All of them. All of them. Yeah. No, no. But if, if you're if you're, if you're if you're deep in the crypto space, I mean, that's where that's where Twitter's going to go, right? Or where a competitor will come up and, and shake up Twitter. I mean, that's that. And I think from a Web three kind of use case, that's probably the most. Wait, the all the users are asking to be able to edit tweets, and they're going to come up with a technology <laughs> that makes them uneditable and permanent. I I don't buy it. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see where it goes. I mean, I I love Twitter. Twitter is my medium. It's a text text heavy medium. Instagram was never my thing. It's too photo centric. TikTok is definitely not my thing. I hate video as a medium. Uh, Twitter's my thing. I will be sad if they they ruin it. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. It's, uh, I should have doubled down when I had the chance. And uh, built Facebook in 2001. We need someone younger on the podcast that can call you a boomer, but let's leave it at that. <laughs> That'd be a stretch. That'd be a stretch. I don't think. We, I don't think you get to. Be, no, no. I think none of it's us more qualify. Of a literature nerd. Yeah, I don't. I think you're just a written word kind of guy, Dom. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, a Ravenclaw, apparently. You are a Ravenclaw. Yeah, are you? <laughs> Are you really? I have no idea. <laughs> How are we friends? <laughs> I read the I read each of the books once. Uh, I think I've watched all of the films, and that's it. They, they didn't change my life. <laughs> Sorry. There are like there are quizzes to answer this question. I'm just saying. I took one this week. Are, are we going to do a purity Again. test on the podcast? <laughs> Speaking of two thousands references. 
and this might explain it here, guys, uh, on this Quill. So Quill is also backed by OpenAI's chairman and chief technology officer, Greg Brockman, and Elad Gill, a former Twitter executive and co-founder of Color Genomics. So there's some, there's some uh, bloodlines there. There's some funny handshake and business Quill. going on there, so, yeah. Who knows? There you go. It's from 2019. The article is in there. This is when they were uh, talks. Of, it's called Slack Investor Index Ventures Backs Slack Competitor Quill. So it'll be in the show notes. Okay, so we have achieved very little clarity, uh, except to say computers, pretty complicated. <laughs> I will add one thing just to return to a previous topic of this show. The touch bar, now that it's completely dead, because all of the Apple nerds uh, that are not me hated it. <laughs> At least you know you're an Apple nerd. I I I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, but... I, know, I know who I am. I'm comfortable with who I am. Uh, so, um, regular listeners who have listened all the way to the end of previous episodes will know I always mention my good friend Renato Podesta, who made the music uh, for our show. So we were having dinner uh, earlier this week, and we then decided to play Cards Against Humanity with a friend who lives uh, in Ireland. And so I had to bring out my laptop and bring up Zoom. And he saw the touch bar. He was like, wow, this is amazing. Show me what it can do. And so I gave him a brief demo of the touch bar on my older Intel MacBook Pro. And he was completely wowed by it. So I just wanted to say that you know, to normal human beings, the touch bar is pretty amazing. I like my touch <laughs> bar. <laughs> I'm sorry, point of clarity. What is a normal human being in this context? <laughs> A non uh, a person who does not earn their life their livelihood with computers. I hate the touch bar. It sucks. It offers no value. I'm glad it's gone. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> I mean, what the hell is this? It allowed me to hit the wrong button regularly. Yeah. How does it, yeah, I could how have does 40 it... tabs because hold on, you I that have 40 tabs open in the browser, literally. Me. And I can't see it. I can't. Okay. Even, I'm like, what? What is the, the, the in my way? navigator? Is useless. I will stipulate that because I also have 1,700 <laughs> tabs open at any given time. But when I'm navigating a presentation, the thumbnails of the presentation are great. When I'm editing this podcast, I'm in GarageBand. I have my GarageBand controls, and they're right there in the touch bar. When I'm in a video and I've got the the little thumbnails of the video, and I can scroll back and forth in there, it, it's it's contextual controls that are super useful and that cannot be replicated by using F keys. And I don't see what we gain by going back to F keys. So, so now people are going to have to learn shortcuts again? Is that what we're arguing about? I use shortcuts. I like shortcuts. The touch bar was an improvement on shortcuts. Oh, hold on. I like how Mike... Listen, Mike is eloquent. He, he has, it's a nice way of him saying, Lilac and Zach, you two are just freaking idiots all right it's a nice way of saying is this what we're arguing over you guys are just morons it's really what you're arguing about like this is that's i get it mike i get it you're nice it's eloquent thank you a little bit of luddite in there just no 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 i i would agree i would agree the touch bar has absolutely no use there's other ways to to achieve that like there's there's nothing like like what? Like where were they going with that? Did they want to eventually make the entire keyboard like e ink, and you could change your keys around? Is that like what was the point of that? There was absolutely no point of that. You know, Th those are like design geeks. Those are design geeks going like, oh, this is great, but what's the functionality? What's the value? The functionality is that I've never in my life used an F key for its intended purpose, 
they were only ever used for contextual shortcuts. Really? Having a display who sh- that showed me the contextual shortcuts was superior. Yeah, you know that that is a nightmare. Like from a support perspective, like if something breaks on the machine, like already Apple, if something goes wrong with somebody's uh, somebody's MacBook, it, it goes off to like Apple Never Everland and comes back two months later. No, Meanwhile, no, you you're trying to the figure parts, out what to the do. Same parts as Apple. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. It, like real easy to do. And, and 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 this is where Dell and this is why enterprises are still using Dell. I mean, if Apple could figure out that and make like an enterprise level machine for like companies with like large workforces who are non geeks, then no, I then it'd be the size have. of a Dell and nobody would want it. So uh, that's the whole point. I literally paid I paid my own money to buy a MacBook Air 11 inch, the worst machine Apple has ever made. Because it was superior to my Dell 6500 that was the size of a battleship and weighed so much that one shoulder was lower than the other. <laughs> the the reason they don't want to be in big enterprises with like a, a large like volume of PCs is because then they don't they lose their niche uh, status as the the niche product, right? So they want to be in the companies that no. are like, oh, we we have. I disagree. I disagree. When when Apple had desktops, Apple's desktops were the best to work on. And that was literally my job. The 8500, 9500 series of Power Macs, they were the best machines. You undid one one clasp and the whole thing folded out like origami and all of the components were there and you could just reach in and do whatever you needed to do. They were the best. Laptops have a different set of constraints. You want them small, you want them portable, you want them light, you want them in one piece. And that's what they've optimized for. It's... I, I think they're they're still very focused on the the phone. I mean, a phone costs more. Oh, totally, than, and the most more profitable than down. anything, more profitable than most companies. By the way, I don't talk to people who have Androids. Dominic <laughs> loves trillion dollar market cap companies, right? He's serious. <laughs> oh, totally, yeah. Apple. But not green, yeah, yeah. Not, not green bubble it. people. We don't love those. No, <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> Anyway, recommendations this week. I have one which is not only Apple only, but Safari only. If you are a user of Safari and you are upset by YouTube and the weird unnatural stuff that they do to the video controller, Vinegar is what you want. It's a Safari extension that replaces the weird proprietary YouTube stuff with a standard HTML5 video element, and it makes everything so much better. It's just amazing. It's one euro ninety nine. I think two dollars and change, whatever it is. It is totally worth it. Universal purchase works across all your devices. Buy it, buy it now. Uh, subsidiary uh, recommendation: DJ Rico. He does uh, Merry Mixmas, uh, mega mix of uh, horrible, horrible Christmas music, but hilarious <laughs> every year. And you can go download the new one. The 2021 episode is live. And uh, I'm going to go listen to it right after this. So enjoy. Zach, I think you had some recommendations as well. Yeah, I have a recommendation. I Look, I haven't purchased this. I'm going to. But... Oh, wow. A pre-recommendation. Are we going to memory hold this if it turns out to be terrible and sets your house on fire? Nope, I'm hoping everybody else buys it and tells me if it's good based on my <laughs> oh. recommendation. Then I'll oh, buy, I love it. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, or or Dominic, you probably have like a thousand, literally a thousand one hundred dollar AWS or Amazon gift cards since you're so close with them. Maybe you can give me one of those and I can buy one. I, one or the other. I'm good with either. That said, 
I I like lighting. I I like mood settings. I um I don't know, like I for me to get into a groove. I just feel like it's just I just uh you know my wife uh, uh, works for Philips and they have these lights and she can get discounts on those. And I used to like to put that around my desk and I just like the lighting. And I think these LED lights, I've heard great things about them and uh, I'm gonna give them a shot. And yeah, there, there's a link in there, but um they they look really really good and um, the reviews are great and yeah I'm gonna give it a shot. Yeah. So um, I have to tell you, Zach, uh, I used to work in an office with somebody who did have multiple uh, lights of this nature in in his office. And one of my biggest regrets was not using the app to control them from across the room at random times, because you can set it to like rainbow and strobe and all these things. And, and I, I, I never quite had the stones. And, and honestly, it feels like a real opportunity lost. So um, be careful who you give your app to. Yeah. You win if you can cause a seizure in the audience. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, if the app is hosted in Amazon, it won't work half the time, Lila. Like, I don't know if I'll blame Amazon or if I blame the people. It's going to be hit or miss, but it's okay circle. because well done. it'll be it'll be a glitch. Are you one of those people who has a Himalayan salt rock with a light in it sitting on your desk? I did, but I stopped using it. I had that. Yeah, I had oh it on my, my desk. God. Oh, my God. Oh, just, my God. I loved I, it. I loved it. I loved it. I was like, it's great. It's right there. Yeah. For for a minute now, I, I miss the office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss being in an office every day now. So, all right. All right. Yeah, what you want uh, is the Annoyatron. You put it in someone's drawer. And then from across the room or even from across the country, you can trigger it. So thank you for bearing with us. I'm not sure how successful this later recording schedule has been. Uh, You will be the judges of that, our dear audience. You can follow the show and let us know what you think on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number four or on our LinkedIn page. Uh, The link is in the show notes. Theme music is by my good friend, Renato Podesta, who turns out likes uh, the touch bar. And please do send us suggestions for topics and or guests for future episodes. Thank you all for listening. Until next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.